We continue our stories out of the Gospels about the life of Jesus and things he said and did. We're in Mark chapter number 2 again today. Mark chapter 2 and into chapter 3 today as we continue our thoughts on Jesus. And I can say without reservation it's my favorite topic. There's nothing I like better than to talk about Jesus. My family always attended church. My very first memories that I have at all were in a church at Cape Cod when I was just little. We moved to western New York. We found some friends in a Baptist church in Elba, but because it was too far to travel, because we always had old junk cars that barely ran, <laughs> and we tried a little church three miles from home, a little church on the corner of Sour Springs Road in Fletcher Chapel that's a couple miles from here. And we attended services Sunday morning, Sunday evening. We also went on Wednesday night. And so it was the little church on Fletcher Chapel Road became our church home. I remember the very first time we went to that little church. It was just my father and I who went to a Sunday night service. I had a cough at that time. And the preacher said, would you like a glass of warm water? And I thought to myself, who wants to drink warm water? <laughs> I was four years old. And so we attended that church for several years. It was a very small place, not many people. I got to be probably eight or nine years old, and church was starting to be pretty boring to me. So one day I said to my mother, I don't really want to go to church. I just don't feel like it. And that was the wrong thing to say. To my mother, she said, you will go to church whenever we go. And you will attend every service because our family will be there whenever the doors are open. So get that thought out of your head. And remember, you will be in church no matter what. Now, mom said it in a certain tone of voice, which made me understand there's no argument. There's no discussion, and there's no wiggle room. She just had laid down the law, no room or possibility for debate. That's it. I must say, looking back, it was one of her finest moments. That attitude would eventually lead me to be standing right here today. Amen. I had another moment. I was grown up, had a family of my own. We were attending a church that I would describe as a stress-filled church. And one Saturday I was cutting wood and I was on my knees sawing through a log. And I said to myself, church tomorrow. Oh no, I really don't want to go. And I remembered mom's words. And I thought, something is wrong and this time it's not me. <laughs> A church full of stress is what's wrong. So I prayed right there on my knees while I was sawing the log. God, help me do something to change that. And that prayer is exactly what brought me to stand here today. So in our text today, there's a lot of stress. And Jesus will deal with it in a way that only he can. Now last week, you recall... We read about the man that was dropped through the ceiling on a stretcher by four friends. 
And the purpose was so that Jesus could heal that crippled man. Jesus both forgave his sins and healed his crippled legs. And that was to be proof to those who were standing there watching that Jesus was Messiah. But instead of accepting the evidence they saw with their own eyes, the whole event just made them mad. And so the Pharisees began to follow Jesus everywhere to try and find something he did wrong so they could accuse him, to charge Jesus with something so they could try to ruin his reputation because the common people loved Jesus. And all through the four Gospels, we constantly read of their attempts to accuse him and to bring charges against him and to smear his reputation. And if there was anything they could find against him, they knew it was going to be Sabbath breaking. And so we, in our text, begin to trace this very annoying attitude, constantly watching every move Jesus made with a desire to criticize him and tear him down. So we begin Mark's gospel, chapter number two, at verse number 23. Came to pass as he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. The Pharisees said unto them, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Now one of the favorite actions of people who love to be in power is the making of rules for other people to follow. From the Boston Tea Party to mask mandates, people in charge love to make rules. And the Pharisees and the religious, and they were political leaders of the Bible times, loved to make rules. Matter of fact, an endless succession of rules. And the largest number of rules had to do with keeping the Sabbath. They believed that the reason for Sabbath was to keep people from working. And so they made rules about it, crazy rules about what they decided was work. You weren't allowed to cook on the Sabbath day. That was defined as work. And so they made a rule, not only that you couldn't cook, you couldn't even light a fire. Therefore, no fire, you can't cook. That's the rules. They made a rule that you couldn't travel on the Sabbath day. But the day before, you could pack a lunch and go somewhere and leave it along the side of the road the day before. And if you traveled to the lunchbox on the Sabbath day, you were just going home. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous. Of course it is. It's ridiculous. Of the making of rules, there is no end. And so if a person plucked a single stalk of wheat on the Sabbath day, and that's what corn is, it's wheat, like you know it. No, 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 can't do that. They're harvesting. And if they rolled that piece of wheat in their hand uh, to free the kernels and blew the chaff off, no, 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 you're winnowing. 
So Jesus' disciples, hungry, pluck a stalk of wheat, rub it in their hands, blow away the chaff, and they eat the raw kernels of wheat. Not much of a meal, I'd say. Ah, but to the Pharisees, you broke two rules. You harvested and winnowed all on the Sabbath day. Therefore, Jesus and his disciples are Sabbath breakers. You notice Jesus did not do that, but the disciples did. So the Pharisees accused Jesus of letting his disciples break the Sabbath. I read an author who said, if they were hungry, why didn't the Pharisees share some of their bread? (laughs) That would have been the proper thing to do on the Sabbath. But no, no, they accused him of harvesting and winnowing. So Jesus is going to reply to it, verse 25. He said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him? How he went to the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for priests, and gave them also to them who were with him. Notice, Jesus starts with a question. Jesus is good at asking questions. He says, have you never read? You Pharisees are supposed to be experts on the Old Testament. You claim to be. You're supposed to be the scholars. So is it possible you never read from 1 Samuel this story? (laughs) My friends, there's something about Jesus that you need to understand. And that is, Jesus never missed church. All through the Gospels, you see him attending services wherever he is at the synagogue, over and over. It's a habit formed over a lifetime And I'm sure that his mother Mary was just like my mother. And she said it's the Sabbath day and whenever the synagogue is open, we'll be there. And my friends, if you want to understand about Jesus and what's happening here, always remember how important the Christmas story is to understand Jesus. You say, you love Christmas. I love this story. Love that story. Jesus was born just like any other baby. He had to learn to walk and talk just like any other baby. He had to learn to read and write just like you and I did. And as soon as he was old enough to listen and learn, he was at church where the scriptures were read out loud every week. I'm sure he didn't have a Bible. He went to church and heard it read. He was at church wherever, whenever, every time the scriptures were read out loud. And he was such a good student, he listened so carefully that by the age of 12... He was sitting with the doctors in the temple discussing theology at 12. 
And when his parents found him, he explained to them that he was doing his father's business. It is God's business. It was and still is today for people to understand the Bible. That's God's business. And so it was that Jesus read, and I'm sure heard read, from the book of Genesis. I'm sure this is exactly what he heard read. Listen to it. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day, and thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from his work which God created and made. In the very beginning, when God created the world, he stopped and says, he looked at what he had done and he said, it's very good. And I would certainly agree with that. So I will set aside a day, a day to think about and view and consider all that God has done. Why? Why set aside a day? Well, he knew ahead of time that man was going to sin and fall into a curse. And under that curse, he would eat his bread by the sweat of his brow. The curse was you're going to have to go to work. and It would be hard, sweaty work. And so in the beginning, before sin cursed the human race, God had already made a day, one day a week, to rest. And more precisely, to think about God. And view God's works and consider all that God has done. Like like God himself did. And as we did that, we would come to the same conclusion... God did. God's work is very good. As Jesus read that as a little boy, or probably more precisely as it was read to him, he understood what the Sabbath was all about. And some other day, I'm sure, while sitting in church, he heard for the first time from Exodus chapter number 20, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It was one of the Ten Commandments. The moral laws that God gave to guide society. So God in giving Ten Commandments to guide society. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not kill. Also said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Sabbath day was to be a blessing to human society. A day for attending services and learning about God. It was God's idea that it would build society, strengthen the fabric of home and church and society in general. Jesus learned it sitting there listening to the Bible being read. And now Jesus reminds the Pharisees, didn't you ever read that? (laughs) didn't you ever read that that's your field of expertise right you mean you didn't read 
You never read about David, the man after God's own heart, who went to the temple one day and ate the holy bread. There were 12 loaves of bread in the temple every day set on a table. <clears throat> it was to sit one day before the Lord, and only the priest could eat it the second day. David and his men came, and they ate some of that holy bread. Why? Because they're half-starved. And there is no other food available. God would never let a man starve when there was a table full of bread. David would write a song about it. And these Pharisees would have sang that song hundreds of times. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's what it was supposed to be. The Pharisees' idea in stark contrast was, this is a day that the Lord has made. You'll have to go hungry so you don't break any rules. Jesus points out their error. Verse 27. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath day was made to help people, to serve people, to strengthen their faith, to focus on God and on God's generous blessings. It's a day to be enjoyed. It's a day to be happy. It is not a day to follow endless rules and be so afraid of breaking a rule that it becomes stressful and you can't even pluck a stalk of wheat and eat the kernels because some Pharisee said, no, 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 you're breaking the rules. Jesus understood the Sabbath, its original purpose, not to be a burden to man, but rather to lift the burden from him and relieve the stress of life. But, but, then Jesus said the most radical thing. Verse 28. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. He's talking about himself. Jesus called himself the Son of Man. Now, he was the Son of God, wasn't he? Yes, he was. But he often called himself the Son of Man. He came into this world to identify and sympathize with people like you and me. He lived human life. He understood the stresses of living. In John's famous chapter 3, Jesus said, God didn't send me to condemn the world. He sent me to save it. So I sympathize with you, and I see you need a Sabbath, a day to enjoy God. And by the way, he said, I am in charge of the Sabbath day. (laughs) Wow, that made the Pharisees crazy. They thought they were in charge of the Sabbath. But Jesus said, no, you're not. I am. I'm in charge of the Sabbath day. And that's why mom was right when she said, we will be in church whenever the doors open. This is the day God gave us to turn away from the world and focus on him. And Jesus will help you when he says, come to me. And I will give you rest. 
All right, now back to our text. You can bet these Pharisees are steaming mad about this. So the very next Sabbath day arrives a week later, and they're setting a trap for Jesus. This time the trap is right in church, right in the service. Mark 3, verse 1. He entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand, and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Did the Pharisees plan this? Was a man with a withered hand a plant in the congregation? Or maybe did the man come to church on his own in hopes of being healed? No matter. Either way, one thing is clear. That man needs help. All right. Some early authors who wrote about this story said that the man had been a stonemason and that he had injured his hand and eventually it shrunk and withered because, of course, muscles and nerves were damaged. And so it didn't function, it didn't move, kind of died. But the Pharisees see it as an opportunity. We'll get him this time. We'll get him this time. Verse 3. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. Now Jesus could have waited till after the service and healed the man outside. But no, let's do this right now. Let's do this now. Sir, come up front. And so the man with the withered hand comes up right in the front. And now he's standing in front of everyone. He's the center of attention. There's another one of Jesus' questions in verse 4. He saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. The answer to the question is obvious. Right? Doing good is a Sabbath rule. Even the Pharisees know that. But, but if they agree with Jesus, that will never do. We can't do that. So it says they just sit. And they stared at Jesus. In silence. And Jesus stared back at them. Every one of them. First he was angry. Have they no sympathy for this poor man standing here? And then it said Jesus was grieved. As they sat there refusing to answer his question, their hearts were hardening. They were resisting the truth and mainly resisting Jesus. If your heart gets too hard, you will never be able to accept Jesus. This man can't work to support his family. His hand is all crushed and withered. It's useless. And now he stands there up front for everybody to see. But the real question is, is Jesus Lord of the Sabbath? 
Can he follow the original purposes of the Sabbath? Can he create something that is very, very good? Now, my friends, watch what he does as Lord of the Sabbath. Looking at the man with his hand it up. Jesus says, stretch your hand out. He can't do that, you understand. He can't do that. His hand is withered away, it's deformed, it's now it's all twisted. But as he begins to stretch out his arm, his hand suddenly reforms, nerves connect, blood flows, muscles form. The hand has been recreated by Jesus. And I'm sure it was a perfect job. And not just on that Sabbath day, but every day thereafter, that man looked at his hand and he said, it is very, very good. It's good. The only logical conclusion is Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus intends to do good every Sabbath. He intends to bless every Sabbath. He intends to recreate new hearts every week. He intends to supply the needs. He intends to make Sunday services a blessing for you. Over the years, many people have said to me, Eric, I come to get recharged. I need it after a week of stress and living life and work and burdens. Oh, my friends, Jesus knew what you were needed before he ever said, let there be light. He knew what you were going to need. From the beginning, he planned that you would come and be refreshed and hear the words of life. His mother and mine both knew that there was no better place to be in Sunday than right in the Lord's house. Only my friends, don't ever forget, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And he can bless you on this day. I remember my father, when anybody said to my father, God bless you, he always had an answer. He will say, he will if you let him. <laughs> let God bless you today, my friends. He will if you let him. And you will find everything he does like the remade hand, to be very, very good. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful things you did and how you taught us why we come here with a withered hand. How you opened up our minds we might understand the purposes that we gather that we might see what God has done and rejoice and be glad in it. And so help us to come here the way you have instructed us here. Open our hearts that we might take it all in, that we might have good things from you every time we come. We believe that you are Lord of this place and this Sabbath. 
as we gather for our services. So we come in expectation, looking forward to what you can do for us, everyone. Bless us, Lord, as we do that, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, like you turn in your hymn books, an old hymn called Safely Through Another Week. It's a song about the Sabbath day, written by a genius who understood what going to church was all about. Safely through another week, God has brought us on our way. Page number 489. Stand together with us, 489. each week, we would be ready to receive the blessings that you would bring us. We pray that our hearts would be open to what you have for us, and especially that your spirit would come down and touch us while we're in your house. Help us to be willing to come. Help us to be ready in our hearts and minds to receive of you what you have for us. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing. And so many, many years ago, before you ever laid the foundations of the earth, you knew that we needed this very day, each and every week. May we come back and get recharged 
get filled up with the Spirit. May we be there and ready to receive and then ready to go out into the world. Lord, give us the strength we need to make each week. Thank you for what you have done for us. Protect us all as we go out into the world and bring us safely back to this place again and again. In your name, amen.